Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Now, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Parenting Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Rosina McAlpine. How are you today? Feeling very excited about sharing ideas with you today. (laughs) That's amazing. We're here to talk about... um, body positivity, especially in children. Um, So before we start, do you just want to give a little bit about yourself, talk a little bit about yourself at the beginning? Sure. So I'm Dr. Rosina McAlpine, the CEO and creator of Win Win Parenting. And what that is, is a program that we deliver in the workplace. So government organisations, small and large organisations run sessions to support working parents so that they can do better at home with their kids and do better at work. So the win-win is good for families, good for business, good for parents, good for kids. (laughs) That's an incredible way of looking at it as well and just combining everything. I really love that. Um, So how would you go and define body positivity? So I think the real important thing about body positivity is to accept that there's a number of elements for it. It's the thoughts you have about your body, the feelings you have about your body and the actions or behaviours that you take about your body. So obviously body positivity is positive thoughts, happy feelings, you know, good feelings and, you know, healthy behaviours. So that's how I would define body positivity. Um, Yeah, those three areas or body image. Oh, that's that's an amazing way to start the topic. Um, beforehand, we do have a quick little rapid fire questions. Just the first thing that pops into your head when it comes to these different topics. All right, so I'm going to throw them at you. So don't be alarmed by anything. Um, so what's your favorite book at the moment? Uh, any book by Dr. Martin Seligman. He's the you know father of positive psychology. So he's all about practical strategies for you know, living a happier, healthier life. Oh, wow. Okay. So what about your favorite movie? It's a left of center movie that probably nobody knows about, but it's called Powder. And it's a beautiful movie about a child who is born different to others and how he succeeds in life, how he navigates the challenges of being different. I love that. Okay. What's your favorite podcast at the moment? Uh, I like lots of podcasts, but probably I love humour. So there's one on NPR called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and it's uh, humour with um, uh, comedians. So, yeah, wait, having a laugh. I enjoy having a laugh. I love that. Okay, what about your favourite documentary? 
anything David Attenborough. As you can see, you can't pin me down. I keep telling you anything you saw, this or this or this. Much. Um, So anything David Attenborough. But if you had to pin me down, the latest documentaries on the plant world are something else. So, yeah, David Attenborough's documentaries. Okay, that's great. What about your famous role model? I'd have to say Nelson Mandela. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone knows who he is, but what a revolutionary, what an amazing resilient leader um so yeah Nelson Mandela oh 100% okay what about your favorite app at the moment my favorite app is my little um counter that counts my steps so that I've done my 10,000 steps for the day (laughs) oh that's that's probably the most relatable one I've heard ever (laughs) um what about your favorite news website Okay, now this is going to be a weird answer, but it's the it's a fact. I don't watch the news. I don't listen to the news. I haven't done it for many, many years because it is so negative. But having said that, I do not live in a bubble. So I have a husband and a best friend who always tell me what I need to know. So I hear it from them, not from the over, you know, um, for the, from the news, from the negative news. Okay. <laughs> Uh, what about your favorite artist at the moment? Oh, it has to be Salvador Dali. What a visionary. His works are so amazing. I saw one of his exhibitions in Sydney and I had no idea the breadth and depth of his brilliance. Okay. Um, what's a favorite course that you have completed? Okay. I am. Uh, learning junkie that's my weakness so I've got four degrees and I can't tell you how many courses I've done um but I'd probably say the most transformational degree I did was my master's of higher education because it opened my mind to teaching and learning in a new depth uh, which then helped me do my PhD and in terms of just day-to-day courses life courses Um, I did a year-long course with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, can highly recommend them, um, about healthy living. So I I could talk to you about so many courses. And even in retirement, I'm going to do another course. Um, I want to do the Masters of Positive Psychology at the University of Melbourne. So I'm going to add to my degrees. Oh, that's incredible, actually. I love that. Okay, lastly, what's an event that you have attended? Okay. You cannot go past my wedding and the birth of our son. They were the two most amazing events in my life and I I have such fond memories of both of them. Okay, I love that. I love that answer. I love it. Okay, so we're going to start talking about the topic and start talking about some practices and habits that you have gone through. Um, So what is a practice that you do to improve body positivity? So one of the things that I think is really important about body positivity, and this is what I personally use, is that if I hear myself, if I catch myself saying something negative, I stop it and I say something positive. That's it. I just do not allow myself to go down the route of I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm fat. I just don't let myself go through any of that. So a long time ago, I just learned that 
if I'm aware of it, I can stop it. It's that simple and then say something positive. So that's a, that's a habit that I've had for many, many years and continue to, to swear by, live by right now. Okay. Wow. So with that, what are three of the good things that you have about this practice, about just telling yourself, just changing that mindset in a hurry? How do you feel? What are the three good things about it? Okay. So I think the most important thing to remember about our mind and our brain is that people say things like practice makes perfect. I don't think that's a good statement and I don't live by that, but I do believe that practice makes permanent. So you get very good at the things that you practice. So if you keep telling yourself you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're unlovable, whatever negative words you want to say, guess what? It makes it permanent. You've practiced it. You become very good at it. You know, they talk about 10,000 hours to professionalism. Well, spend 10,000 hours telling yourself you're rubbish and guess what? You'll be really good at it and it'll be hard to make a positive change. So practicing positivity or at least not practicing negativity um, is, I think, one of the best reasons to do this, why I think that's an advantage. Secondly, who wants to walk around saying negative things about yourself? Like, you know, if you can't be your own cheerleader, if you can't be kind to yourself, who in heaven's name is going to be kind to you? Like, you teach people how to treat you. You are the only person in the world you can't run away from. You, you're with yourself day in, day out. So, if you've got a choice of saying something mean or something kind, hey, it's a no-brainer. Go down the kind path. It's going to make you feel a lot better. And that's the third part. You know, having that body positivity, accepting, just accepting who you are, the way you are right now and all the gifts that that gives you, no matter what, um, lets you have a platform of healthy mental health, healthy body to be able to springboard into life. So we know that people who have optimism, positivity, live longer, they're healthier, they're less diseased. There's heaps of reasons why you're better off telling yourself nice stories than horror stories. Yep. I have always had that belief that you set your standard up. You set yourself to a standard and that standard is something that you go through yourself so like when you talk about friends and stuff who's gonna love you if you don't love yourself if you don't see yourself in a positive way who's gonna see that it's always like there's a standard that you sort of set yourself up to before anyone else can sort of be accustomed to that standard of yours as well so that's always something that I've been told daily in any time that I sort of have self-doubt as well yeah so but with the good things that come challenges when so what are some challenges that you find when you have this practice of course you know being positive all the time isn't realistic for most people and it's not realistic for me either sometimes when I'm tired when I'm overwhelmed I might find myself going down a negative path that I haven't even seen like you know you, you start to realize I'm not feeling good or I'm seeing these mean things. And it's only then when you have that realization. So 
for me, one of the learnings that I've got is that self-care is really important part of this, like just taking care of your physical, mental, emotional, social well-being. Because when you do that, you're less likely to go down this path of negativity because you're not tired, you're not grumpy, you're not un, unhappy, you're not, so you're in a much better position to to not miss those negative moments. You're in a much better position to catch them because really thoughts are quite random unless you catch onto them. Like you could be just sitting there looking at the sky and a negative thought pops in your brain, right? Now you can either let it be a cloud going through your mind out the other side or you can hang on to it and start believing it and start talking about it and then start sharing it and ring with your friend and then what happens? All of a sudden that that almost innocuous, doesn't even matter negative thought, like a cloud passing across the sky, has now become a huge deal to you, to your friend, to everyone you've talked about. Um, so I think we really need to be careful about what thoughts, that random thoughts, because we can have them. We might have just watched a movie. We might have got on the internet. You know, all sorts of things can bring about thoughts. We might have heard someone say it. But we've got to really question those thoughts that we want to take into ourselves, believe, nurture versus the ones we want to go, you know, not going to be helpful for me today. I think that one just keeps floating by. That's that's amazing. So with that, how do you have the, I've always, like there's a lot of things going on right now about the, um, daily affirmations in the morning is that something that that you personally would use as a certain time to sort of say okay I'm going to wake up like this and I'm going to feel like this in the morning I have used and continue to use affirmation affirmations through my life you know having a positive affirmation having a goal having saying something kind to yourself and to others you can't go wrong like that's only a good thing. But I must admit, after after practicing positivity, and I believe I'm, I, I think it's about nurture and nature. I think I was pretty much a happy kid. And I've kind of nurtured that more and more as I've gone through my teen years and then, you know, into my 20s, 30s. And right now I'm in my 50s. Um, I've I think I've nurtured that. So yes, with positive affirmations, yes, with the way I see the world, yes, with continually learning, um, I think that's great. Um, one of the things that I encourage our whole family to do in the morning is just a simple thing of good morning, good morning, family, good morning, sunshine, just good morning instead of, oh, do I have to get up and, oh, I'm tired and, oh, you know, you can start your day that way or you can say, good morning. That's <laughs> pretty simple. <laughs> it's a good way, good platform to start the day. Okay, that's great. So with that um, specific practice, would you say that how it impacts your parenting or your perception in life? Uh, one of the things that um, I'm very passionate about is that in the same way we learn ABCs, we learn one, two, threes, we learn everything we learn in life. 
we can learn positivity, we can learn optimism, we can learn about clean thinking, clean feelings, clean actions. And I, I use the word clean because they're positive and clean and they nurture us rather than harm us. So yes, as a parent, um, while I honour all feelings, I honour them all. So, you know, we're allowed to be sad, we're allowed to be angry, we're allowed to be frustrated, we're allowed to be anything we want. That's part of being human. When someone does something you don't like, you might get angry. That's what happens. The question is, what are you going to do after that? Are you going to hang on to that anger, that frustration? Are you going to want to get revenge? Are you going to go down the path of negativity or not? So as a parent, when my son is doing the, I'm this, I'm that, or I'm tired, or I don't want to do this, I'm like, I get it. I understand you had a late night last night. I get it. So we start with acknowledgement. But how do you want to start your day today? Where do you want to, you know, leave her off? Do you want to leave her off with good morning? Oh, this is a terrible day. I'm going to be tired all day. Where do you want to start the day? And how do you want that day to continue? So we spend a lot of time talking about optimism. We talk a lot about how we speak to ourselves um, you know, positive language, negative language. So absolutely, absolutely all of that fits into um, my parenting approach that we can nurture uh, and help our children to identify when they're being negative, then to give them a choice. And that's really the powerful part. You know, sometimes I'd say to Cameron, you know, um, what are we going to do? How are we going to calm down? We have a little a little two-step process. So if he's really upset and he's yelling, I'm like, hey, 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 I want to talk to you. I want to help you through your problems. Absolutely matters to me. But we have to calm down first. So, you know, what's step one? And it's usually, you know, when he was little, I'd say, what's step one? And he'd go, calm down. And then he'd go, but I don't want to calm down. <laughs> and I'd go, and that's okay. When you're ready to calm down, come back. You know, we can talk about it. So step one is using all the tools that you have to calm down, whether it's breathing, walking away, having a glass of water, you know, getting a cuddle, you know, whatever it is. And I often say to our son, do you need help calming down or are you okay? You, you know, he's got many, many techniques. Um, and then we solve the problem. So that that's how I see, a, you know, parenting approach, that we can support our children's positivity, optimism, emotional regulation in the same way we help them to read from ABCs to Harry Potter, from one, two, threes to integration and differentiation, from, you know, having out of control emotions to be emotionally intelligent. So it's just like a process. Okay, wow. So with talking about parenting, um, from the definition of parenting, it's a process of action and interaction between parent and child that differ according to the domain of child development and the age of the child. To you, what do you think parenting is? So for me, Parenting is guiding, supporting, role modeling, being a leader, um, a guide, a nurturer of the little human being or beings in your presence from the day they arrive to I think the day you die. 
<laughs> you're not there anymore and maybe even beyond. I've talked about that with my son as well. It's that whole idea of, of supporting your child to be the best they can be, to support them on their journey. And I often say as a parent, my, my jobs are many, but my main jobs are, number one, keep you safe until you can do that for yourself, right? So it's only a short-term role. Teach you things along the way, uh, life skills. Um, and then finally, and this is probably one of the most important, to love, to have fun, to enjoy, to play together. That's why we came together, you know, to learn, grow, love, play together in a safe environment where I support you to learn all the skills you need to be the best human being you can be, to live the best life that you can live, no matter what that looks like. That's that's such a big definition. It holds, I feel like parenting holds such a very different meaning towards every single person. And that meaning that you described definitely describes how um, my relationship is with my mother, for example. Like our relationship is very friendly. It's very, I've got your back, you've got mine. And I feel like that's, that to me is how the definition of the relationship between a parent and child should be just to have that, just having that connection that um, two people who are put together on this earth are holding together. So that's a really big, it's a really big definition for me. Um, the challenges in transitioning to parenthood is a topic that um, is really well, <laughs> is really well talked about. <laughs> So with uh, women and men reach the status of parenthood through a transformation phase. Um, sociologists of the family and life course researchers have called the transition to parenthood. Um, the transition to parenthood is considered a major life transition event in that each parent can face different challenges and situations that are specific to his or her family. Becoming parents can be both rewarding and detrimental. In addition to fulfillment and joy, studies show that this transition was associated with negative impacts on new parents' well-being and interpersonal relationships. Um, what do you think the expectant parent needs to be aware of in that transition to parenthood? I think that your definition was great because everyone experiences something quite different. Some people just glide into it and it's like they're naturals. Most people do not glide into it. <laughs> they are not naturals. Um, for myself, I really wanted to become a parent and I was a competent, capable um positive, happy human being. And then when our son arrived, it turned my world upside down. I went from competent to incompetent. Um, and what I realised was, and this is where I think the, my biggest message is to parents, new parents transition, be gentle on yourself. You will find your way. How could you possibly be good at something you have never 
done before that you cannot imagine in your wildest dreams um, in terms of emotional, physical, psychological, social. It impacts every aspect of your life. So be gentle, be optimistic, be kind to yourself, get the help that you need. Um, But yeah, it is for most people a massive transformation and they expect to go from all my years I've been working successfully in the world uh, because I've done it over 20, 30, 40 years, however long it is before you have your baby. And then I come into something brand new and I'm supposed to be good at it like that. So I think setting the expectation that I'm new, that I'm learning, that I need help, that I'll get there in the end, that to enjoy every moment of every breath that your child takes because Anyone who's got a teenager now says, oh, I can remember it like the, just yesterday that I brought that baby home. I I love that. I love the message that you're sending, especially just to take it, take it as it comes. Just everyone deals with it differently and just have a sort of sense as to how you want to be as a parent, not how everyone around you tells you to be. Um, so with that, I understand that parents can have an, a huge effect on a child's positive body image and understanding their, um, just influencing their body satisfaction of their children. Um, parents can affect the body satisfaction of their children by acting as role models so, and children often adapt their parents' attitudes regarding body shape and eating and might try to engage in body-changing behaviors in which their parents engage. A study found that mothers concerned about their weight are more likely to have daughters who are dissatisfied with their bodies and more likely to have both daughters and sons who try to control their weight. The level of body dissatisfaction that girls experience has been shown to correlate with the level of body dissatisfaction experienced by their mothers and fathers. Similarly, both Boys and girls whose mothers engage in dieting are more likely to become thinner and engage in extreme weight loss attempts. Do you think parents can help children develop a positive body image? And what age do you think is the best time to start? Everything you said is, you know, evidenced in research. Um, Parents can have a positive or a negative influence on their children um, because remember, we are nature and we are nurture. So we will have a predisposition just because of our genetics. There's no doubt about that. We're partly nature, we're partly nurture. But nurture plays a huge role. Now, I don't want to put the whole role on parents, but I will talk about that in a moment. I also want to make sure that we accept that, you know, children don't live in isolation just in a family. The internet has made body positivity, very challenging with all of the, you know, airbrushed magazines, you know, people changing their photos on social media. Um, You know, you don't know what's real and what's not real anymore. That's, you know, fact. You don't know what you're looking at. There's this idea of what's perfect, what's, you know, beautiful, what's not beautiful. So yes, parents, but what about the rest of the environment? What happens at school? What happens when you're at the shops? What happens, you know, in life? Having said that, accepting that there are so many influences, not just mum and dad, so I'm not putting it all on you, mum and dad. <laughs> um, 
we do play a huge role. Okay, so we know that healthy eating habits formed in childhood will carry through into adulthood. Uh, children who have lower body mass indexes as children will have lower body, you know, tend to have. Like it's not it's not uh, causal, but it's definitely relational, right? So if as a parent you can introduce healthy eating, healthy snacks, if you can minimise the um, foods that are not so healthy, full of fat and artificial colours and flavours and sugars and I'm not saying don't eat them, that's not what I'm saying, that's not how life works. But if you have little rules like the 80-20 rule or in our house we have everyday food five days a week and we can have weekend food on the weekend. <laughs> so that's your pizza and your cakes and your ice creams you can add on the weekend, whereas during the week we have everyday food. So, you know, my son will try it on. Can we have ice cream? I'm like, is what night of the week is? It's Tuesday. And when do you think we'll be able to have that? Okay, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, excellent. So what can we have instead? Maybe some Greek yogurt from the fridge or some nuts, handful of nuts, right? So we we teach what is, what is healthy snacking, what is healthy daily eating, what we eat every day, weekend, weekday food, everyday food, and what's weekend food, rather than saying junk food or unhealthy food, because guess what? We're still eating it. We're still eating it. So why would you say I'm eating junk food while you're putting it in your mouth, right? So it's all about the me balance um, in, in relationship to healthy eating. There's also ex exercise as part of body. So for me, I talk more about body image as a healthy body, healthy eating, healthy exercise, healthy thoughts, healthy social interactions. All of that for me is what forms the basis of healthy body image. I don't even look at body size or body weight or because that's like the end product of all of this. So, you know, if you've got a GPS, you don't start at the destination. You don't start at where you're going. You start right now. And the right now is drive here, left, right, left, right, left, right. So how do you get to a good body, healthy body, good body image? Through eating healthy thinking healthy, exercising healthy. So I think, you know, focusing too much on if I'm tall or short or fat or skinny or strong enough or not strong enough or, you know, what all those things might be, you're looking at the destination and you don't get to the destination until you've done all the work. So focus on all the things that will naturally progress to a healthy, happy body. I... I love that perspective and I love the idea of you um, having the everyday food during the week and then the weekends is the special food because I, my, if a lot of friends um, that I have when they were growing up, they used to have, everything used to be healthy, but at the same time when they went out with friends, it was always junk food. Like, and it was just like, it's just that mentality of like, okay, what I can't get at home, I'll go get elsewhere. So having that balance and having still having that availability at home is still also, I think, in a way, teaching children to find that balance themselves while also knowing that you don't have to cut it out to live healthy. You can sort of you can enjoy it just at a at a ratio, not having like a whole pizza, for example, like Whereas when you're at home, you'd be like, okay, you can have like two or three sizes. You learn yourself as a child and that 
like learning from example. And that's a big, I feel like that's a big step when coming into um, transitioning through a child's life. Yeah, and I and I want to add a little bit to that um, pizza example. I'd like to add to that pizza example because a lot of people are all or nothing and that's not how it has to be. So we do have pizza sometimes on the weekend because our son loves it and we love a you know, nice uh, pizza as well from down the road. We've got a great place that makes beautiful pizzas, Italian wood-fired. But we oh, every time we have pizza, we have half a plate of salad with our pizza. So if you've just eaten, you know, half a plate of lettuce, cucumbers, tomatoes, um, celery, carrot, how much pizza can you fit in? You can still eat your two or three pieces, but you're full. If the only thing on the table is pizza, well, you can eat a whole one, right? So it's that complimenting. It's not all or nothing. Yeah, let's have some pizza, but let's do it with a beautiful, fresh, crunchy delicious salad with a bit of feta and maybe a few olives or some capers or you know something delicious that you have some cashews or seeds on there right so that you've got this beautiful salad and this beautiful pizza that you're eating so not all or nothing junk food you know that sort of thing okay I love that perspective I love that method of keeping it keeping the ratio balanced even throughout the weekend, especially when it comes to back to everyday food, you still learn that balance as it comes. <laughs> um, talking about definition of po um, positive body image. So body image is the internal representation of one's external appearance and it encompasses self-perceptions related to body and personal attitudes, including thoughts, beliefs, feelings, and behaviors. It's definitely a multidimensional representation made up of four components, the global subjective, the affection, the investment in appearance, and the avoidance of situations of body exposure. In body image research, um, a person's body image is often described in terms of the level of body esteem, referring to the self-esteem in relation to body and appearance or body dissatisfaction he or she experiences throughout their life. How would you define positive body image, especially in children? So this is where... Um, I think it's important to go back to the basics that we talk about a healthy body, a healthy mind, a healthy, a happy body, a happy mind. Really, that's what we want, right? We want a healthy, happy, functional body and mind. How do we get that? And so if we have that rather than, you know, esteem, what, how I'm going to esteem myself, you know, let's go simpler than that. To lead a happy, healthy life, we need a happy, healthy body, mental, physical, right? So what do we have to do to get that? Then you miss out, you miss out completely on this whole, you know, how do I think about myself? Do I look at myself and go, I'm pretty, I'm ugly, I'm that. This is where you go, are you on the right track, sweetie? Is that actually the question you should be asking? How do you want to live your life? I want to be happy, healthy, capable, confident, right? So how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to eat well, I'm going to sleep well. You know, 
let's look at the basics of it rather than I'm going to tell myself, tell myself that I'm well, I'm going to tell myself. So I'm all for positive, you know, uh, self-talk. You know that, that's how we started. But really, let's go back to basics. What do you need to have a happy, healthy body, a happy, healthy mind? You need good food, good exercise, and let's focus on that rather than those other images. Having said that, when you have negative thoughts, don't allow them to take hold. Uh, When you've got negative feelings, don't allow them to take hold. When you're thinking of negative actions against your body, whatever that might be, this is where you say, my body has to last my lifetime. I need to nurture this body so that it can help me be the best person I can be in life, live the the life that I want to live. So I think we need to think about this a little bit differently and be very careful when we start talking about the psychology or, you know, that sort of thing, body image with children, but to keep it much simpler so that their mind stays away from that. It steers them towards thoughts, actions, uh, emotions that will support them at the end to have this positive accepting body image, but not because they focused on that, but because they focused on everything that will get them there. Okay. So in another way, it's kind of like just telling them, okay, you're at this stage now. You don't always, you aren't always going to be at this stage. There are ways that you can improve, but also do it in a healthy way instead of jumping to the negative side of everything. Just seeing the positives as to how you can improve, especially like in the way of like teenagers when they have that negative self like everyone around them is so different everyone around them is always going to be so different so how would you recommend just giving them that talk giving them that um that talk that makes them believe more in themselves as who they are I think this takes me back to my earlier statement that what you see at home, what your parents role model, what you've seen on the internet, who you're engaging with at school, in social media, all of this has either a positive or a negative impact on your thoughts, your beliefs and your actions. Now, when children are developing between naught and, you know, about, 24, 25 for females um, and about late 20s for males, their prefrontal cortex, which is this part of the brain, is developing. It's only fully developed in males around uh, mid to late 20s and for females early to mid 20s. Now, our prefrontal cortex is the part that is able to reason, to ration, to, you know, make good decisions. It's our executive function, right? Prior to that, you do not have that. It's all in the development process. So we need to be careful what is being put into the development process. If I can take it away from the example of what you're talking about is, let's say our goal is to build a beautiful home, right? Just like to help a child develop a happy, healthy 
body, mental health and physical health. Um, what does that require? It requires a strong foundation. It requires building products that are good quality. It requires carpenters, you know, tradespeople that know what they're doing, right? And if we put all of those elements together, so we're not focusing, you know, we had a goal, we've got a good house, but we that's that's so far in the distance. We've got to get all these components right. The tradespeople, the materials, you know, the order in which it's going to happen, you know, all those sorts of things, the weather, right? And it's the same thing with body positive, body image. We, we need to get the foundation right where our children can talk to us about anything because they are going to hear things in the world that they're going to need to check in. And my son does that all the time. And, and I have a 14-year-old who is, you know, everyone's talking about, am I fat, am I too thin, am I strong enough, am I not good enough, am I good looking, do I have long hair, short hair, curly hair? And this is where I talk to Cameron and I say, look, what happens outside you, you have no control over. Someone says they like something, someone says they don't like something. You know, now, if you take that on board, this is your life. Someone likes something, I'm happy today. Someone doesn't like it, I'm sad today. Oh, the other person liked it. That's okay, I'm happy today. And then someone else did like, oh, I'm, I'm sad today. I saw this on the internet and that's how I looked and I'm sad today. I saw that on the internet, that's how I looked. And now I'm happy today. Is that how we want to live our lives? Do we want to live our lives from an external compass bouncing on the sea of social media, what, you know, my friend said today and then said sorry for tomorrow? Or are we going to find that inner compass? Are we going to hold that steady ship? Now, what's that steady ship? I want a happy, healthy body so I can be the best person I can be in the world. That has nothing to do with what you think about my body, has nothing to do with it, nothing. What happens is what do I think about it? What do I feel about it? What do, how do I behave about it? That is what's going to build the house, not anything that happens outside you. So we need to little by little, it's not fast process because remember that prefrontal cortex is still developing all the way through those years. Having those conversations, so give an example, you know, oh, you know, darling, I went to work today and someone said to me, I really don't like that top you were wearing. And it took me back and I thought to myself, oh, that's interesting. Now, I could have gone, oh, no, what's wrong with me? This top is terrible. Oh, I shouldn't have come to work like this. Does everybody think my top is terrible? Oh, my gosh, that's, that's a terrible thing. Or I can go, you know, this morning when I got up, I looked in my wardrobe, I put this top on, and you know what? I smiled in the mirror and went, today, this is my top, and I'm happy with that. It's clean, it's neat, it suits my colouring, whatever I picked it, I love it. And that's all that matters, and that is going to influence me for the rest of the day. So am I going to be all over the shop all day, or am I going to be, no, no, I this was a choice I made today. Tomorrow maybe I won't make that choice. So that's where we give examples and you go, you know, I, I could see myself slipping, but I thought, no, not going to do it. I'm going to have a different date today. I'm not going to let that happen. And you know what? I did have a good rest of the day, despite the top. It didn't matter. Made no difference to how I had my day. So giving little examples and then talking about more specific ones where you might have had a friend who you adored really hurt your feelings and and then how do you go from there like how do you believe in them again how do you so having these conversations that social relationships 
thoughts, feelings, um, emotions are not, you know, easy things. If they were, we wouldn't have this, we wouldn't be having this podcast, right? Everyone would have the answer and it would all be fine, right? No kids would have negative body image. Um, there wouldn't be this negative stuff on social media. Kids wouldn't be mean to each other. And problem solved, right? Because it's not easy. But remembering as a parent, my child's prefrontal cortex, their ability to reason, their ability to self-monitor, self-manage, make discerning decisions about should I listen to that or not listen to that, you know, that sort of thing is going to take time, conversations, love, care, understanding, tears, anger, frustration, and joy. Okay, I love I love that. Um, with we've talked about how teenagers and the conversations that we have with them. Um, talking about younger ages, so the age that the body image concern is starting to emerge. Um, body image and the concerns with the way that we look are aspects of human development that take form early in life. Concerns with body image and more specifically expressions of a desire to be bigger have been found among children as young as the age of five. This concern may simply be a reflection of a children's wishes to grow up and to resemble the big kids they know. However, by age six, there is a clear evidence that children are starting to experience concerns with weight and shape in ways that are not dissimilar to adolescent and adult concerns. Six-year-old girls, for instance, have demonstrated body dissatisfaction in the form of wishing to be thinner. However, body image concerns become more evident as children grow older and move into adolescence. When are children starting to have a concern about their about their body image and and what stage would you say that happens, including the influences that they would have? So as you said in the research, see the thing is uh, when children are born, they have what are called mirror neurons, mirror neurons, mirror, you know, looking in a mirror. And they have the largest quantity of mirror neurons in their brain that they're ever going to have in their life. As we get older, those mirror neurons decrease. Now, why do we have mirror neurons? Because we're learning to copy. We're watching, we're learning. How many times has a parent sworn and then their child swears, right? Copying, learning, right? So if a child is seeing a parent going, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm too fat, this doesn't fit, I wish I was thinner, looking at, you know, what else are they going to learn? That's what they're going to learn. So I think it's really important that we look at the home environment. What are they seeing online? What are they watching online? What are they seeing at preschool? The other thing that I think parents really need to be aware of and that they don't think about is, you know, when a child gets dressed or puts on a, let's say a little girl puts on a dress, Oftentimes, parents would say, oh, you look so pretty. Your dress is so lovely. What are we already setting up? What are we setting up with just that statement? What about if we could simply say something along the lines of, how do you feel today? How do you feel in the outfit that you got dressed in? Do you feel confident? Do you feel good? Is it clean and neat? Does it fit well? Is it comfortable? Are we going to be able to do what we need to do with that outfit today? Well, good choice. If it's not, let's change it. Let's get something that's going to help us do what we need to do today, right? And feel good 
in the clothes, comfortable and good in the clothes we feel. Not so much you're pretty, you're lovely, what a lovely dress. You know, these are the things that are already putting that external. So what, I'm pretty because of this dress? This is what's making me pretty today? Well, if I don't have the right dress, then I certainly won't be pretty, will I? I won't be handsome. I won't be, you know. So I think we need to be careful with the languaging that we start off with. It's like, you know, when kids are really little and we're like, good you're so amazing that has nothing to do with self-esteem and everything to do with looking externally for you know rewards for feeling good about myself for my happiness you know instead of you know you've got your dress on this morning how do you feel is it cold you feel good is this good is this going to help us get through the day are we going to achieve what we need to achieve awesome Oh, those shoes are a bit tight, are they? You're not going to be able to run? Okay, let's get some more comfortable shoes on. How does that feel? Ready to go? Excellent. We're good. So I think we need to be careful with how we're languaging because we could be setting it up right from tiny, which is why at six, you know, I don't want that dress. It's not pretty. I don't want those shoes. They don't shine, you know. Um, so I think we do need to be careful with what what we are saying to our children and what we're setting up which then just gets exacerbated as they interact with other kids and also see social media and, and their friends. I actually never thought that that concept of oh, saying that dress looks nice on you as being something that sets it up negatively, actually. Like that's something that I've never heard has a big impact on a child that young. Because like when you see a child, you're like, oh, that dress looks so nice on you. Not like that's a common, common way of talking to, of saying that this person looks pretty. Because you see, you also use that as an adult as well. I guess like you say, oh, that dress, that top Absolutely. looks really good on you. But using it for a child could actually really harm them. Yeah, is that really how we want to set up our lives, or? Because self-esteem, self-concept, self-reference has nothing to do with what you think about my dress. Nothing. Wow, I self-esteem. That is Yeah, that is an incredible, actually incredible way of thinking of it. I never even thought that would have that big detrimental start right from the beginning. So that's that's a really new thing I think we're all we're all learning in this case of the transitioning from a child because you see that so normally as a child like you hear it when you're a children being like okay that that dress looks really nice oh I like that tutu that you're wearing for example but you're never sort of seeing it in a different sense and how impactful that can be. Sure and I think we're allowed to have our opinion. I like that tutu is different to that tutu looks nice on you. I like the colours. I love those colours. I wear blue, you wear blue. That's again. Do you see how innocuous that is? It's, it's just I like blue, you like blue. It's not to do with you, how you look in this dress. And so this is why we need to help children be more self reference 
Now, I learned this. I learned this from Dr. Michael Hall. So I didn't come up with this. I learned this from Dr. Michael Hall. And he talked about, uh, I wrote a book many years ago by interviewing experts from all over the world. And they wrote different chapters and I wrote some chapters. And one of the things that Dr. Michael Hall talked about was how to raise psychologically healthy children. And he talked about self-esteem and he talked about this whole concept of we're always so busy praising children that we take away their self-esteem. Now to esteem something is to judge or, you know, praise yourself, right? So while ever they're looking externally, you know, for you're smart, you're pretty, wow, look at you, what a great, you know, do a drawing on the page, you're like, oh, that's amazing, you're so amazing, versus I see you've done a drawing. Did you enjoy that? Oh, what colours did you use? Did that make you feel happy? Are there any other things you'd like to do? Would you like to do another drawing? Do you enjoy drawing? Do you think you might draw today or tomorrow, you know? Do you see the difference? Self-appraisal, self-appraisal, self-questioning, self-questioning, not external, 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 external. So that's why we've lost our compass. We're so busy hearing what our parents, what our teachers, what our friends, what the internet, what everybody's got to say about ourselves. We don't self-reference. We don't internal compass anymore. Yeah, it's kind of like separating. Do we like it? Sorry? Sorry? It's sort of, sorry, it's sort of like um, defining do we like it or do we like it because others like it? Correct. Correct. Now, having said that, so that's the basics. You always want internal reference first, but you can have an external check. That's fine. That's healthy, right? That's healthy. So if I'm trying on red shoes with my red dress or black shoes with my red dress and I'm like, well, I could probably do either one. Like they both look good. Internal reference. And then you could go, hey, I can't choose between these red and black shoes. What do you reckon? You know, what do you think? And they go, oh, I love how the black shoes go with your black bag. And you go, smart. That's good. Yep. The contrast. I love it. So can you see how internal reference with an external check is perfect, but not external reference, reference, reference that then becomes your internal story? Okay, that's that's a good note. That's a good, really good note to have. So talking about the importance of children having a positive body image. It's of great importance that children, as they grow and develop, maintain a positive body image in order to not experience the body dissatisfaction related that threats their well-being. Um, it's also important to promote body positivity because even relatively minor body concerns may lead to exercise avoidance in women, use of anabolic anabolic steroids and other drugs to try to increase masculinity, um, particularly in men, unhealthy eating habits, especially in women. Um, so a negative body image at early ages can impact the individual's psychological well-being. Why is it so important for children to have positive attitudes towards their body image? 
So I look at this a little bit differently to the way you framed it. And, you know, when a child can't read, we don't go, oh, children have to learn how to read. That's going to help them in their work, their joy, their everything. So we don't freak out about that. We just go, oh, child hasn't learned to read yet. And then you put them on a course of learning how to read, right? So it's the same thing with, um, again, not positive body image because I think that's where the problem is. That's, that's the actual problem. If we go back to what do I want? A healthy, happy um, body that can do all the things that I need. So we just go back to the basics. What is healthy eating? What is healthy exercise? What is healthy thinking, right? So I think that's what's important. Meet the child where they're at. Are they eating healthy most of the time? Everyday food, weekend food. Are they exercising five out of seven days, you know, doing their 30 to 60 minutes? Great, you know, of a variety of sports. Are they um, able to catch and change negative thoughts, right? Are they able to have healthy goals to go towards, you know? Um, are they realistic and healthy goals? So I think we just have to meet our children where they're at and give them the right, help them on the, give them the right encouragement space to find the right goal for them that will bring them joy, happiness and a good life, not a struggle or, you know, a, you know, aspiring to something that, that may cause them much more mental and physical um, challenges than a simple, healthy goal would. And then they'd get there in the end. That's where they'd get. Because if you eat well, sleep well, uh, think well, uh, socialise well, uh, exercise well, you can do nothing but have a healthy body unless, of course, you've got a medical issue, which you deal with, right? You can't build an ugly house with good bricks, good builders, and, you know, good, you know, do you see what I mean? Same thing with, with us. If we start with the basics and build all those, um, the, the essence of what will bring a healthy, happy body, rather than focusing at that end again, right? You're at the GPS end again. Come back down here to this um, and that's going to be a better way to be, I believe. Okay, so with that, how would you encourage um, to have that conversation between with the child or not even conversation, just like little activities that can sort of encourage a child to understand themselves and not be so influenced by the other talk of body image, for example? So I think, you know, you, you we've talked about all of these things throughout the podcast and, of course, be a good role model, focus on the healthy um, ish, healthy things, eating, exercise, sleep, you know, thoughts. And then when it arises in the world through friends, through social media, through internet, have the conversations. You know, thinking like that, how's that going to affect your life? Thinking like that, how's it going to affect your life? Acting like that, how's that going to affect your life? Acting like that, how's are you going to be pushed and pulled by what other people say or are you going to have your internal compass? It really is just a slow process, just like learning how to read, learning how to, you know, type on a typewriter, learning how to use a phone, all of those things. Just help your children along the way, meet them where they're at. Okay, definitely. So 
We're talking about the best way for parents to help children build a positive body image. Based on your experiences, um, what are some ways that other ways that you've, other than what we've talked about previously, can you sort of tell us what are some best ways that can children can sort of encourage the conversation? Because I know a lot of parents aren't, there are a lot of parents who are just sort of hesitant to have that connection with the initial connection. And I think we've talked about that as well, where it's important to have that initial um, baseline of connection between a parent and child. What are some ways that, especially for teenagers when they're just starting that, how can you sort of encourage, tell a parent to sort of encourage that openness between the two if it's just starting later on in life? So I think the most important thing is when children are very small and they're watching you, if you are a good role model, you eat well most of the time, you sleep well most of the time, you regulate your emotions most of the time, you talk about stories where you had challenges but you overcame it. So there's all of the foundations being formed. Now the next stage is going to be how that that foundation stands up to what happens in the world. And this is where if we judge, if we judge our children, if we criticize them, if we tell them what to do when they're teenagers, guess what? Not going to talk to us. So a phase of teenage years, very important that parents listen, 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 talk less, ask more questions, um, let teenagers know you're there, talk about personal experiences that may be relevant, how you overcame it, but less less judgment, less criticism like, oh, that's so silly that you think you're ugly, you're beautiful. Well, that's not how your child feels right now. That just says to your child, you didn't listen to me. That's what it says. You didn't listen to me, you didn't hear me, and you didn't honour or validate my feelings. So it is about honouring, validating, but asking more questions. Well, what makes you think that? Where did that come from? When did that come? What do those thoughts feel like? Who put those thoughts in your head? Were they your thoughts or did they come from somewhere else? Did you watch something? You know, starting to just really question and ask. And how does it feel when you think that? And how does it feel when you think that? And what do you want to do when you think that? And what do you want to do when you think that? So it's just, you know, helping children find their way in the world, especially when they're teenagers, when they do not want to be told. Oh, yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely relate to that. Um, With that being said, what are some final pieces of just to summarize everything, what are some final pieces that you would love to say to parents that are that are talking about the use of the word obesity or overweight, like those phrases that a child hears? How would you, in your opinion, your experiences, how would you get your child to not say use those words? Or is it a word that um, we should embrace in a different way, for example? So we have to use a language that our child is familiar with. If they're saying I'm obese, 
um, then you you would meet that where it is. You can't just go, oh, well, let's not talk about that. That's not something we should talk about. I, I think the most important thing here is, number one, take care of yourself and question your own self-worth, self-esteem, body image. As we work on that ourselves as adults, as role models, uh, we'll understand more about what our children are going through. If you can say, oh boy, I when I when that person said my hair looks terrible today, oh, that went straight to my heart, right? I need a haircut, it's too long or whatever it is. And then you go, hey, in a sec, what's that about? Where did that come from? Were they in a bad mood? Um, they've got really short hair, maybe they don't like long hair. Do you see what I mean? Starting to question it in yourself, you go, really easy for kids to really take that on board because I can take it on board and I'm an adult. My prefrontal cortex is working fine, right? It's fully developed. So I think, first of all, work out your own issues and, and, and work on them. You know, we don't have to be perfect. We're human, right? We're parents and doing the best we can. Secondly, be a good role model where you can. And it's not do as I say, it's do as I do, right? You know, you can't say to your children, eat a carrot and then watch you sneaking chocolate. Do, do you see what I mean? Like that's not going to work. So, so be a good role model. Stick to the basics. Focus on the basics. What does a healthy life look like? Basically, eating well at home, sleeping well, um, moderation when it comes to pizza, chocolate, ice cream, moderation, you know, everyday food, weekend food. Um, not all or nothing. So it's not every single day you have nothing that has a bit of sugar in it or, you know, like you might like a crunchy granola that's got a bit of sugar in it. Fine. It's in moderation. On the weekend, you don't have to just gorge morning, noon and night junk food all day, right? So it's moderation. A salad and pizza, you know, an egg for breakfast with after that, go and have something, you know, a Freon or whatever it is you love to do. So that whole idea of moderation. And I think from there, conversations around obesity are easy. Um, you know, obesity happens if we have genetic issues, which it could be. Certain genetic issues have predispositions or it could be our lifestyle. So what is it? If it's lifestyle, we know what to do. If it's genetic, we need to get medical help. So I think conversations become easy when you've already got all of that good stuff in place. Okay, that sounds good. Now it's time for our little segment called Open Mic. And this is this will be the final segment just to end off the podcast. I would love to give the mic over to you and just give you a chance to talk about anything that you are passionate about. It doesn't have to be um doesn't have to be the topic related. It could be anything that you feel that um, you would love to share with the audience today. I've been working with parents for many, many years, and I've been a parent myself for over 14 years now. And I think that the topic that's probably closest to my heart is that parents are always very hard on themselves. But parenting is one of the hardest roles in the world. You need to understand the psychology of child development, the emotional development, the physical development, the psychological development, the social development. Like there's so many aspects of supporting a human being to be the best they can be. So be gentle on yourself. 
learn, grow, experiment, explore. Um, say sorry when you've made a mistake. I've made so many mistakes, you know, and just had to say sorry. I want another turn. My son, my son said, that's all right, mum. Um, I know you're still trying to be a good parent. You're still learning. That was the words. You're still learning how to be a good parent. Because I would say to Cameron, you know, if he dropped the ball or something, I said, don't worry, you're still learning to catch the ball. And one day I said, I'm really sorry, honey. I shouldn't have made that decision. It was a bad one. He said, don't worry, mummy. You're still learning to be a good parent. And that's the best thing that I can say to a parent from toddler through to teenager and, and beyond into adult life. Um, remember that you're still learning to be a parent enjoy every moment it goes so fast um learn love enjoy say sorry when you make a mistake pick yourself up but negative emotions negative thoughts negative feelings about your parenting will not make you a better parent it will only harm your parenting so be gentle on yourself loving with yourself take care of yourself be a good role model to your kids and enjoy the journey because that's exactly what it is Oh, I I love that. I love ending this podcast on a high and just talking about the the connection between parent and child. And I feel like a lot of parents are having that mentality that I need to be this this kind of person. I need to be organized. I need to have everything together. But the truth of the situation is you're not always going to. And, you know, I've grown up with my mom and my mom, I can say for sure, and she'll agree with you, is she'll agree with me is the fact that she's made some mistakes or some decisions that um, she would have changed if she, was, if she were able to do it again. But I think, as she's always said, it's all just, all just a part of the journey. It's all just a part of learning and just experiencing what you can. And you're always going to make mistakes. So if if family isn't there to accept that you're going to make mistakes, then nobody really is. So family is definitely the one thing that was put in place in my in my upbringing that's just everyone's going to be there for each other and just accept the mistakes that we make. And just I think one the one that you said stuck with me is just apologize when you've made the mistake and because it shows that you've noticed and there's nothing else you can do about it. So I do think that that's a big part of the journey into parenting and the journey into family as a whole as well no matter whether you're the parent or the child or um, the grandparent you're still having some aspect that you're still learning on and I do think that that's a big part of it as well and don't make a decision if you aren't sure of what the decision should be take your time research some more ask other people uh, you know go to an expert just don't make the big decisions if you're not confident that that's a good decision. The little ones don't matter, but the big ones, make sure you got all your facts straight before you make a big decision that you may not be able to fix, right? So they're the sorts of things that you can say to yourself, look, day-to-day decisions, let's hope that all our mistakes are little ones, but the big ones, take your time, make sure you're making the right decision when you're doing those big decisions for your children. I love this. I, I just want to thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today and for being a part of it. And actually, you taught me so much, especially about how, I mean, being not being a parent myself, it's still, it's still something that I feel like I can learn from, especially when it comes to the building blocks and the foundation and the house that you were talking about. 
it's still really relatable to me right now. So I would love, just definitely want to thank you for being a part of it and for having the time to share with our audience the whole perspective of parenting and the journey throughout it. And yeah, thank you so much for being a part at Rosina. My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation and, and best wishes. And it's always so important that parents have research-based uh, uh, approaches to parenting. And I loved that you were always looking at the research and that's how win-win is. We have foundational research approaches and I call it the heart and the science of parenting. And I think we need to combine those two to be the best we can as a parent. Well, definitely, if you guys definitely go look her up and go look out her website, it's um, win-win parenting, right? Winwinparenting.com, all one word. Okay, awesome. Go, definitely go look that up, guys. All right, thank you so much for joining us today on the Parenting Podcast with my guest, Rosina, and I hope you guys have a safe and happy day today. Thank you. You've been listening to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights Podcast. Produced by the Parenting Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at pa.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent, and thanks for tuning in.